Born in Lubbock, Texas, Andy Epler's love of music began while watching his mother sing in church. Having been diagnosed with ADHD, Andy had to work hard to overcome the challenges posed by traditional schooling. But he ultimately learned how to work in solitude on various projects. And once he graduated from South Plains College with a commercial music degree, there was no stopping him. Andy Epler has been as prolific as an artist can be, having authored many songs, books, art pieces, and films. In 2022, Texas Tech University announced a new Andy Epler collection to be added to their university archives alongside other artists such as Waylon Jennings, Buddy Holly, and Natalie Maines. He considers the most meaningful waypoints in his career to be associated with political activism, cultural change, and community outcomes. His goal isn't to become famous, but to become meaningful. He hopes his passion can be fertilizer for other artists who want to grow their hearts. He wants his life to be measured in inspiration. Taking it easy, I'm taking it by force, because the world still beats me like a chief workhorse. Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Challenge, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, then sit down to talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Andy Epler. Howdy. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so, you know, uh, in addition to your uh, the songs and everything, you have a new book out called A Songwriter's Grimoire. Yes. And... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with one. Well, I mean, we'll touch on this a lot during this, I think. But I'm just gonna touch on uh, the definition of art because you said in there that you don't think chefs that that that's on the other line uh, crosses the line of what's art and what's not. Yeah, yeah. Craft and art are different. Well, but I but I guess the question in my mind is, um, you know, when you you think of art as kind of a way of entertaining senses. You know, but also, you know, your mind, I suppose. But but you can have, like, pure art that's just sensory entertainment. What would you call someone who entertains, entertains the taste buds? What would be an artist? Is there an artist out there? Is there a type of art that entertains the taste buds if it's not gastro... What do they call it? Gastro... Uh, gastronomy? Gastronomy? I'm um, not sure what the... Here's... I, I think, like, I would have to back one layer out of the question because... I don't think the line between them has to do with entertainment. I mean, I'm an idiot. I find most things entertaining. Everything's a surprise when you're stupid. Um, but uh, I think that the actual line between craft and art is more like um, intention. And I, because I think the arts are a communications platform. And so the artist is trying to communicate something. And I think there are about seven versions of what how that works, uh, which I list in the book. But um, so if somebody is entertaining me with their food, that doesn't mean that they're trying to send me a message. You know, that doesn't mean that. And, and the actual line is you have to you have to basically ask the creator of it because there's something called imposed art. I could eat a stack of pancakes and cry about it because it's so meaningful to me, but the dude behind the chef you know, station or whatever may not be meaning to send me anything. I'm, uh -huh. the, I'm the artist in that case. Sure. So I would say if I'm entertained by someone's meal, that's on me. And their high-level craftsmanship is not the same as art, and the highest level of craftsmanship is not art. That's I think they're completely separate ideas. 
Well, so when you're, I guess sometimes when we're talking about meaning in art, I mean, there's certainly intention. Sure. I think you can have intention to just create beauty, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so when you're doing food, I think a lot of times, I, I mean, I've, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've lived with people who were like real chef oriented, you know, I mean, they, they would go and they'd be like, Ooh, I see this piece, that piece. I bet I could create this kind of flavor with that. And they'll take like random ingredients and they'll create something fascinating and interesting. Um, sometimes bad, <laughs> but they'll try and it'll be kind of, and to me, it feels like at least from the perspective of the creator, as I watch them doing that, to me, it feels every much as bit like uh, every much as uh, every bit as much. Sorry, it sounds. It looks every bit as much like me when I'm making a song, mm -hmm. you know, or if I, yeah, and especially if it's like an instrumental or something where you can't necessarily divine the direct meaning. You know, with your lyrics, you're, you know, I think most people kind of assign a certain meaning. If it's instrumental, if it's an instrumental, then it really is just kind of entertainment for the ears, and you do impose your own uh, feeling on it, unless you take something from the title, perhaps. So the only way, I think, to tell if my stack of pancakes is art or not, beyond how I feel about it, if I'm trying to look for like a subjective opinion about whether it is high-level craft or it is high-level craft that is being used to make art, uh, I think the only person you can really ask is the person that made the pancakes, hmm. because and and this sort and I think that this is an important line because it's the intention behind it, mm -hmm. because the arts are a communications platform that work beyond language. Now language is included, but dance can be art, mm -hmm. right? Because it's this expression of an idea and one of the forms of art intention that I list in the book, and I list seven, one of them is beauty capture. And that's just like trying to, sh like like uh, like I would say Bob Ross's art is mm -hmm. just beauty capture. Like, look how pretty a little tree can be. You know what yeah. I mean? Or whatever the fuck. Uh, and then like another version of the arts is evangelical art, mm -hmm. where like I'm trying to convince you to take action about an idea or, or messaged art. So if the pancakes were like, messaged art it would mean that the the chef is trying to be like you know this is just how my mom used to make them and i'm trying to show care to you by making them exactly like my mom used to make them i think you'd have to call that art but if they're flipping pancakes back there and sh you know that and they make it well but they don't have like some intention behind it to literally make it a communicative experience then that's high level craft and both are worthy and good well, I think that's a. I, I think the intention really does set the. I, I agree with you there because to me, I mean, I've got a very permissive definition of art, and I, to me, it's always been like, you know, because you look at Dada, Dadaism, and sure. it's just like, oh, okay, we got a urinal sitting on its side. Okay, that's really art. Well, if that's art, then it's really just framing it. You're just mm -hmm. you, you. It becomes art when you you create a context where it's presented as art. If it yes. fills that role. And so you know, I call that imposed art. Yeah. You take a tree stump and you put it in a context. Uh -huh. Now you've put meaning upon a found object, basically. Yeah. And that's art, of course, because you've communicated through it without ever changing it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting that you had, uh, you said that, you know, there was one point, I guess, when you were in college, you thought cover bands weren't really art. Oh. That was more just craftsmanship. And, yeah. and you've come around, though. You, Because you, to me, it seems. 
I guess it's one of those things where it's like, well, singing's an art form, mm-hmm. playing an instrument's an art form, mm-hmm. but somehow, you know, I mean, th- I guess the question is if the product they're producing is 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 an artistic. I mean, it's like, I mean, the the activity is, is at least artistic. So right, yeah. I would. So now I've got a category for that called tribute art, yeah. which mm-hmm. is basically, and I didn't understand this in my early twenties. Uh, it, I think I just had to kind of mature a little more in the subject and become more permissive. Uh, but I call that tribute art because, you know, the people in the band playing Whiskey River or whatever, they're not the original artists. They are new artists basically commenting on the thing that they found so moving and trying mm-hmm. to transmit it down the line to a new person to to give them the same kind of experience but through their lens. It's an interpretation. It's a tribute. Mm-hmm. I think that's art, too, because it's full of intention and meaning. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't have... I, I probably would have argued with myself when I was about 23. Well, that 22. would be fun, right? Wouldn't it be fun to go back in time and be able to have a debate with yourself? <laughs> no. I, I, I would be... That would be... I could get nasty. I, I, I used so to be a lot nastier than I am now. So, Dude, that dude, if I could go back and chat with him when he was 21, there would be so many things I couldn't tell him. yeah. He was about to go on a ride that he didn't necessarily sign up for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a life in the arts can be sort of unpredictable. And that's yep. always been my life, you know, uh, ever since I was in college. That's what I've done mo- for a living basically the whole time. Well, it said you've been doing stuff since you were 14. Was it, yeah. Or even earlier than that. Was that was that when you really started getting going with your... Yeah, I was... Um, when I was about 13 or 14, I picked up a guitar and started like taking it a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, I was sort of a, a bit of a loner back then. And um, I think I, I was just looking for something to, you know, escape with because I couldn't play with my toys anymore. You know, I used to go to my room and be alone and play with my toys when I was a little kid. I think I was looking for some new version of that to be like, I just want to be alone. I'm overwhelmed when I'm around too many people, and I feel I, I I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. And so, I think when I started picking up my guitar, it was in a religious context because I I went to a Christian school, and I was a I was mostly a Christian. I think I fell out of it when I was 13 or 14, and came back when I was about 15 because I felt so bad about it. But um, yeah, I started writing songs for Jesus. And then started writing songs for me, you know, kind of in that period. Yeah, I've been writing songs a long time. I'm not much of a learner. I'm not much of like a song learner. You know, I don't. I'm, oh, you mean other people's songs? No, it doesn't appeal to uh, me that much. And I, I, I'm with <laughs> you there. I mean, I'll. I'll I mean, I, there's songs that I love, but if I have, I, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that they do like a song a week or a song a month, a cover song a, a week or a month, mm-hmm. and I struggle to to do that. I think. Uh, I did some. I I I I did pretty well covering like some local artists a few. Well, back in 2020, but then I kind of burnt out after four or five songs. And yeah, yeah. But yeah, writing is or creating something from scratch is is a wonderful thing. And yeah. we should uh, we should find out. Let's talk about one of your songs here in just a sec. But before we do, uh, we've been talking about Andy Epler's new tome, a songwriter's grimoire. Practical notes for a mystical practice. So, uh, where can people find that? Anywhere you buy ebooks, it's available. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, everywhere. Um, or you can go to my Gumroad site, 
Um, and the links on my um, the links on my Instagram. My Instagram is at ando the artist. Um, you can go there, and if you buy the book there, the ebook, I get more of the royalty because, of course, I don't have to split it with Barnes and Noble or whoever. Of course. So yeah, if you want to buy it, that's the spot to get it. Um, it's a approachable tome. <laughs> tome, I love that. Uh, it's it's not uh, it's written for um, creatives, so the it's not a super lengthy piece, and a lot of it is my lyrics from over the years. So probably two thirds of it is just lyrics. It's basically a poetry book. Now the version I had did not have artwork in it because it's a. Yeah. It, is there artwork in a ver in any of it? No, okay. there's a little artwork on the cover, but it's just straight text inside. Okay. okay. There's plenty. If you want to see artwork, just Google me. It's everywhere. Yeah. I yeah. promise. There's plenty. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into one of your songs. In fact, uh, in addition to having a book out, you have a new song out. I do. And this one uh, is what we're going to start with. It is called "To Give My Good." Should I tell the story before we get into the song, or wait till after? Uh, why don't we wait till after? Okay. Let's okay. give everybody get a fresh hit. Uh, get a fresh hit. I find myself waking up with carpeted teeth. Must have stayed out late again. I'm in some bed. In a day-soaked room next to a brand new long-lost friend I don't know how far romance goes I don't know how much people can take My heart is full of 10,000 rooms I don't keep them for their own sake find myself throwing up on an empty street because I closed down the bar again staying late after the show until the good times fully end I don't mean to push it quite so far I don't mean to let it get out of hand the crowd was with me Makes me thirsty to wonder if they understand. They ask if I'm burning out, but I'm growing strong. I've just come into my power again. I'm blooming fresh, wild and sweet, leaving good things on the wind. That's fine if I'm not your type But that don't mean that I'm no good And you'll forgive me If I bloom freely I only mean To give my good All right, that was To Give My Good by Andy Epler. Great song, man. Just kind of made me think like Hank Williams type of stuff, you know, oh, going to that, it. you know, hard, hard drinking stuff. And um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this, right? I, I want to hear how you wrote it, but I'm curious specifically about um, you kind of have like fake out stops. I mean, there's like your, your stops in there last an extra beat. And it's and my first thought when it, the first stop came was like oh it's already over 
And you do that, you know, two times, right? And so what was the thought process behind that? Is that intentional or is that something that just sort of happened? No, I mean, that's intentional. Um, Sometimes when I write songs, I want to write kind of like the most succinct version of the idea. And I was shooting for like a two-minute song. And when I wrote this, it was, I just, I don't know, it, it seemed like I didn't need a chorus because I wasn't trying to have mm. I didn't want to have one overarching thesis of a so- of the song I wanted it to, to just kind of be a narrative through my experience and um, it, it was sort of a, a poem anyway and so I didn't feel the need to squeeze a chorus out of it I didn't want it to be catchy I wanted it to be like a like an autobiographical, vulnerable, little moment. Very nice. Very nice. Well, oh, so it's an autobiographical moment. So mm-hmm. uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the inspiration? Yeah. I um, I woke up uh, next to this darling character uh, once upon a time, a few months ago, I guess. I think I wrote this song like four months ago. And I woke up next to this uh, wonderful person and kind of like leaving her house, driving back to my little spot in Denver, you know, a song kind of started bubbling up about like how nice it is to, you know, make new connections and let a new person inside your heart a little bit, you know. And, but of course, I, I I am me, so the song ends up being whatever, a little bit morose, I guess. And um, but it's just about like wanting to give the good things that I have in the world, and like as a polyamorous person, I feel like I have romance to give, and I have care that I want to give, and I love to explore new people, and like I wanted to sort of draw that line all the way through my experience through my romantic life and into like my own I don't know the darker part of my life which I guess I mean I guess the darker part whatever let's I I mean I want to back away maybe from that but more of the part of like uh this is what it's like to do a bunch of shows and like I'm doing it because I've been doing it a long time and I love it but it's a certain lifestyle, you know, and I really do love to be at a show and stay late and talk to everybody and keep drinking and whatever. But it's really just because I like, I'm trying to give what little medicine I have to the world. That's what my whole art life is about. And that's sort of what that last verse is about. Just like, I feel like I'm blooming in a new way and I have like good new things to give that I wouldn't have had to give 10 years ago I didn't Mm. develop it 10 years ago within myself my experience didn't gift me those things you know so it's a it's a really vulnerable autobiographical piece for me but one of my other romantic partners uh, texted me the other day she listened to it and told me she found it I don't know, really true for her as well as somebody who's not a musician, but like technically all that language works for her too. Cause like, you know, who else goes to shows is the audience, you know? Mm. And so like, turns out you can be in the audience and still have that same thing of like, I just want to hang out. I just want to keep the good times going, you know? And sometimes it looks a little ugly even, you know? Mm. 
so I, I, she she said it was like meaningful for her, and she felt it reached her in a, like a vulnerable place too. So let, I mean, let that be a lesson to all of us songwriters that we, even when you write something that's incredibly unique to your own experience, the more deep and the more vulnerable you get about it, the more universal your message can become. So I'm kind of curious. You, you mentioned polyamory, and mm -hmm. you know a lot of people write about relationships mm -hmm. in their music. Uh, that's probably the number one topic, right? So do you find well? Uh, does being polyamorous does does that give you more songs, fewer songs, or just different songs? I'm not sure it gives me more songs. I can write a song about just about anything. I think people write about relationships so much because it's sort of like one of the it's maybe the number one way that a human experiences pain or pleasure. And evolutionarily, I think we're sort of programmed to notice pain more than pleasure because it's literally more important for your survival to be like, there's an apple up in the tree. Yeah, but there's a panther coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that it, that's probably why people write so much about relationships and especially, like, sad songs are often about relationships is because, like, we're evolutionarily pre-programmed for that. So I'm not sure that my polyamory has increased my songwriting it's it's increased my perspective and anything that increases your perspective makes you a better artist um so it's it's increased my view uh, my my ability to view um romance and it's shown me that my heart is actually an infinite place and so i don't know it's it's for me it's been very enriching and and growth oriented for mm -hmm. sure and fun golly yeah, very cool, very cool. So um, I'm also curious, just uh, going back to your book, um, what type of song would you consider this, or what type of art, this song? Oh, like what category? Yeah, what category, sorry. Um, messaged art. It's not evangelical, because I'm not telling you to do something about the message that I'm presenting. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it is communicative, and there is like a clear message of like, I'm living this way and with this value system and like here's the like a a very clear kind of raw view of kind of this it's not a sad song it's sort of a happy song right but it's also a very raw piece so I I'd, I'd call it messaged art nice you know? all right mm -hmm. all right and do you feel like most of your songs are messaged art um I'd say I switch between messaged and evangelical because okay. a lot of my songs have like stories in them and those are basically parables because I'm always trying to like point my lyrics toward my values, you know, because that's, that's the medicine I'm trying to give. If you only sure. get one of my songs in your life ever and you ever hear me one time, I want my overall message to sort of be in it, you know. Okay, okay. Very cool. Well, let's, let's listen to another... Uh Another one of your songs oh here. Oh my God, twist my arm, why don't you? That's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called Holding It Together by Andy Epler. Taking it easy, I'm taking it by force, because the world still beats me. 
like a chief workhorse No mercy for my struggle Cruelty without remorse And I'm building on a bubble Instead of seeing that I'm the source Hold me together Right, that was holding it together by Andy Epler. Thank you. Yeah, and so uh, I, but I know you said you had an interesting story behind this, but before we do that, I was mm-hmm. just curious: what are your influences, or who do you consider to be your influences? Or met back when you started, who were your influences? Butch Hancock, Terry Allen, Joe Ely, um, you know the Flatlanders. Uh, I, I I love Steely Dan. Um, my first tape that I ever got was the Beach Boys Greatest Hits. Nice. That reached me, man. Uh, I had those, those harmonies, you know. And uh, the first CD I ever got was Boys to Men, you know. Nice. It's, it's a good variety there. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't know. I, I love R&B and I love um, 
that kind of, I don't know, I th- that was a good record, I gotta tell you. Um, you know who I really like that I wish I didn't like? Who? The Eagles. I wish I didn't yeah. like the Eagles. I think they're, they have like a lot of, uh, well, here's an, uh, a thing I don't want to get emails about. The Eagles have a lot of terrible songs. Uh, maybe mostly terrible songs, but they have like 10 undeniably amazing songs. And I don't know, that's for me, pretty high number. I have the feeling I I like I like plenty of Eagles songs. I'm yeah. not I'm uh, I'm not going to say I'm a super fan, but I I mean I, boy, there's some they got a, a few really great great songs. But I kind of feel like I feel like there was a period where they were kind of the Nickelback of the '70s, yeah. where they were super successful, but nobody wanted to admit to liking them. Right. Right. But that song I can't tell you why is. Undeniably, one of the greatest songs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, they've they've got some, they got some good stuff. But I love the Bee Gees. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. I did my last uh, full album, or my last album was uh, it was called Lonely Disco, mm-hmm. Lust Letters to My Friends, and it was a kind of a take on, you know, kind of early Bee Gees kind of disco things. You know, not not necessarily like Disco Inferno, uh-huh. but like. You know, uh, wait, that's a great song. Great song, <laughs> great song. But I wasn't trying to do burn, like, baby, burn. Scow and fern. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I love that. I love all that stuff. You know, and so like I did, I I kind of like took what I could from those things that inspired me and kind of made a make a five song EP out of it and uh-huh. really had a great time with it. That last song we just heard is from the album I'm gonna release here in like the next month or so. Oh, okay. And the album is called You and Me Now. Apocalypse campfire songs. Nice. <laughs> well, let's hear the crazy. St- you said, well, I don't know. You didn't say it was a crazy story. No. But you said there was an interesting story behind this song. Yeah, I um, I don't know what your experience is in the arts, but I know it can. I think most people nowadays feel kind of the the squeeze of the economy, hmm. and there's this temptation to sort of. I don't know prioritize that over your own self-development and your own self-expression and you forget to live your life because you have to collect the right number of jewels or whatever and and you know you do want to be because our society will totally let you just like they will kick you out on the street Mm -hmm. you know and not let you go to a, a doctor if you don't have the the bucks you are totally in trouble and so like there's this trap especially for people in the arts i think who are purposefully trying to do something that is intrinsically valuable to humanity, you know, the exploration of, of the human soul, you know. But it is tough to monetize that sometimes, and it's easier to actually just, like, make cheeseburgers, you know. Yeah. And so, like, for me, you know, there's that line of, uh, you know, uh, the clouds, the sky is full of nothing, so the crops can drink my sweat. You know, like there's nobody coming to help. You know, there's no rain clouds on the horizon. I'm just going to keep working until I force it into this dimension. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah, I think. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a big believer. I mean, since I had my midlife crisis about, you know, a little over 10 years ago that it's all been, uh, you know, I don't want anything more than a part time job. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to squeeze out every bit of uh uh, creative stuff that I yeah. can, and I and I kind of think that it takes a lot of sacrifice. You got to really tighten your belt to be able to do that. Yeah. But um, you know, I think it's I think it's more doable than people think. It, but it does take 
you got to kind of drop out of that rat race, right? You got to drop out and stop trying to compare yourself to your neighbors who are, you know, got the big houses and the big lawns and all that stuff. You have to cheat the system. Yeah. I mean, like speaking as a full-time artist, uh-huh. um, you have to find ways to sort of cheat society and let them let let you survive. Uh-huh. You know, you have to make it to where your housing costs as little as possible. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, look at me. I have the physique of a coat rack. That's because <laughs> like, you know, I I I live pretty scarcely. Yep. I I only really take in what I need and like money has not been my main goal in life at all or I you know, I'd probably be doing better. But like for me, my I had a really bad depressive episode some years ago. You know, kind of back in 2016. And it was it was life-threatening. Okay. Yeah. That's how I'll say it. And um because uh, I was a danger to myself. And at some point, I decided that I was just going to assume that I had made that decision and then just start over as a new person and just kind of live a bonus life. Huh. You know, and so, like, assume that, like, that guy got what he wanted and all the pain ended or whatever. And now I'm going to just, like, start over in my mind a little bit and just sort of live the kind of life that I know I am am sort of called to within myself. I want to be a blessing to my people. I want to be uh um I want to be good news. I want to leave good things when I am gone. And for me, I would rather make a lot of work that I feel like is healing and uh relatable and makes people not feel alone. I would rather that and and starve to death than do other things. That's mm-hmm. sort of my take. And that's I'm an extremist in this way. I'm, I'm not trying to tell other people how they should be thinking of their work or whatever. For me, though, it's it's about being an extremist and living the kind of life that I demand of myself mm-hmm. because I, I'm trying to tell a story with my life, you know? Well, you know, I... This is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but you mentioned in your book, and that book is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> What's that book again? You're so good with a plug. Well, I kind of. I, I it's called. Page. It's yeah. called a songwriter's grimoire. I call it that because it's it's a, an autograph uh, autobiographical take on my view of the arts. It's a, it's an art philosophy book, but it's like a list of spells at the end. You know. Well, you see, this is the. I'm kind of uh, intrigued by. Uh, one thing, one way that you describe the way that you write songs is that you imagine that you're listening to yourself on like a like a like a a radio from another world, right? And so, you, like when you were talking about starting, you ended one life, started a new one. It made me think, like, what if you just? It's almost like you jumped timelines, yes. yes. And 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 it feels like you're maybe kind of doing that with your songwriting too. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think it's it's useful to to have. You know, to kind of think of things that way, and uh, I know there's a lot within the art community. There's a lot of kind of manifesting techniques and things sure. that people do, and I'd, I'd I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you do that. Um, yeah, I think it's really. Uh, I'll do, I'll answer this from the direction of the creative process. I guess. Yeah. I think it's really helpful to live, in for me. Like you talk about jumping into like a new dimension mm-hmm. within yourself and like. You know, or or people maybe call it manifesting or something. I'm not willing to necessarily invest in the magic part of that as as much as other people are, but I do think 
practically it makes sense to think outside of time and yeah. to think uh, meta historically and and sort of watch myself move through a process from a little bit outside of it because time is a tricky thing sort of an illusion and it's based on gravity or whatever and gravity is different just right over there or whatever mm -hmm. you know so for me uh and, and I have a lot of methods to write songs, right? Because when you're a professional songwriter, you have to write a song no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so, for instance, the other day, I was, I was like, I had made a bunch of notes for the song that I wrote for you guys. And um, I've, I've, I hadn't had time to just sit down with my guitar and do it. But I had, like, a little melody I liked and a little kind of concept that I liked. And then I sat down to actually do it, and I knew I'd... I could just knock it out when I did because I have reliable practices. And part of that is showing up with an expectation. If you are assuming you're gonna you're about to hear a great song, then it puts you in this mindset where you're totally about to hear a great song, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I talk about this practice of thinking outside of time in a in a moment like that when I'm trying to write my song. I know that in an hour and a half, I'll already be eating a sandwich. You know, or I'll be done with this. And so if I could just step back a little bit and recognize that all time is happening cook, uh, right next to each other at the same time, then that must mean that somewhere right next to me, there's a dude who just finished this song. And if I can just kind of tune my mind into or open it up enough to be able to hear what that might sound like, it just encourages me and makes me feel like it's already done. All I got to do is transcribe it and let it trickle down, you know? Mm -hmm. It's still me doing it, but it's like future me is gifting it to me. Yeah. S so it's like I assume it's already done, and I just kind of listen for it, you know? <laughs> no, I think that's great. I, I think um, just changing your perspective and, uh, you know, that, that can have a huge difference whether it's whether it, it really is happening or not you know whether you're really getting a, a tune you know from from time travel or whatever um so you wait, know, let me let me point at one more thing about this practice that i think will answer your next question after i finished the song uh -huh. it was 30 or 40 minutes later and i stopped everything and i sat still and i waited for past me to inquire and be like hey looking for a song. And then I played him the song nice. all the way through. And it's like, okay, here's the song. And I played it for him. So now what is true? Because uh -huh. in my experience, my perception of the world and perception does happen. It, that's what the world's made of. Is that individuality and perception is what mind is doing in the universe. Yep. So if past me prayed to future me, who I know is listening, because it's me, and future me did hear that prayer, and future me responds, when I show up next time to pray to future me, I know I'm going to literally have a response. I just won't experience it physically because I live mm -hmm. through time, but imagination land, you know, that's outside of time. Yeah, that's great. No, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to try that. Do I, it. I like the idea of it. I, I mean, it's... Uh, and, and I'll, I'll be interested to hear if any of uh, the listeners out there try that, too. In fact, I'll, I'll uh, ask you out there, uh, all, you, uh, all you folks out there in audience land, if you try this technique, uh, let me know. Uh, send me an email to rawsongwriting at gmail.com and let me know the results. So. If, if all it does is make a practice where 
at the end of the song that you finish, you sit there and play it for past you and intentionally kind of wait for yourself to show up in that moment from the past and sort of play it for that person. It doesn't need to literally be true yeah. for it to be encouraging. Absolutely. You know? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm a big believer in, in placebo power. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing what placebos will do. Placebos even, work. And this is the thing. Placebos work even if you know it's a placebo. That's right. So it's like there's no re- so get yourself a get yourself a little container of Tic Tacs, put a label on it that says creativity power, start popping them and boom, yeah, you're going to be, you know, that's anyway. I like this other way because it's so personal and it's so like the 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 receiving the 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 sending and the receiving are happening in the same body. And like you know for certain that you can send messages into the future to yourself. So if you can know that you're sending messages to yourself and you know future you is hearing those things, it's not that crazy of a stretch to imagine that in that same imagination space, a message could kind of trickle back. Why not? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> as I've gotten older. I'm the, the why not is kind of the the bigger question. You know, it's yeah, like try the I think drugs. when I was young, it was sort of like that's stupid. That can't possibly happen. There's the science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's sort of like, Dude. well, you know what? If it if it if it works, why the hell not? You Dude, know, the the government just said there are aliens. That's right. Shit is on the table. <laughs> All right, like uh, you yeah. don't know about reality anymore. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's time to whatever. Try some drugs and expand what you think the world is. <laughs> you know. All right. Well, I think uh, that's that's a perfect time to segue. Uh, we're going to get abducted <laughs> for a little bit here, uh, but we'll be right back after this. All right. Welcome back to the Raw Songwriting Challenge. Yeah. I am here today with Andy Epler, who uh, has just recently written a songwriter's grimoire, Practical Notes for a Mystical Practice. And uh, he's, of course quite a prolific songwriter himself and so we recruited him to to do this uh, or uh, this show here so um and to write a song for us but let's see uh, as you know we uh I typically i send out uh, a, a a bevy of prompts for um for the guests to choose from and i'm just gonna describe the prompts here uh the first one was a random picture of a kind of a tri- yellow triangular sign of a person being struck by lightning <laughs> Uh, the second prompt was a random word, galleanthropy, uh, which is a mental condition of thinking that one has become a cat, usually manifest in the adoption of feline mannerisms and habits. A random fact, during World War II, the U.S. created a bomb that used live bats. A random style, write a song in the style of Beastie Boys, and just a random challenge, Write a, write a response or sequel to a well-known song. So, uh, Andy, can you, can you talk to us about how you chose... I know you went through a couple different yeah. possibilities when choosing the, uh, the prompts. Yeah, my first inclination was to do them all yeah. in the same song. But I decided that was reckless. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, I, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to write a good song. And mix all those ideas. Mm-hmm. I'd rather write a good song, I guess, if we're going to do it. I wanted to write the one about the bat bombs. Because um, I just thought, like, being a dude in a plane pushing bat bombs is, like, really interesting. I'm not even sure. That's, that's probably not how they distributed the bat bombs. But 
still. I, I think it actually was. Really? <laughs> I think they did. I mean, it's just like you have to have some transport system for the bombs, right? So. Dude, so like I really thought about doing that. And then, you know, I thought any song I could do, I could do a Beastie Boys bridge, you know? But mm. then that would require like a drum machine and that kind of thing. And I wasn't willing to do that. Mm. And then um, uh, the last, what was the last one? Last one was uh, write a response yeah. or <laughs> yeah. sequel to a well-known song. So I was gonna do like a cat song about mm-hmm. bat bombs, which with a bridge, you know, and maybe a lightning strike happens in there. And then my song was gonna be like a response to the to the um, meow mix song. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would have loved to have heard that. I know. But <laughs> I just felt like it was. I don't know. When I sat down, that's not what came through the radio. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we take a listen to what you did come up okay. with? And this may not be the final title, but this is Galeanthropy uh, by Andy Epler. His contribution to the challenge this this uh, episode. Woo. As I open my eyes to a brand new day, I just wanna bask in your sun. And then I remember the sweet summer season has been replaced by a darker one. It's been tougher to find those warm glowing spotlights that used to burn across this room. I've been watching it fade, your incomparable love light, now our home feels like a tomb. Come home I've been spending all my hours Watching as your sweet love sours When will you really come home? I'm just laying where you left me Hoping that you don't forget me I know that people can change and schedules get busy. I understand all that. What I don't understand is how you neglect me like I'm last year's Christmas cat. Just coming home angry and kick off your shoes. Your dogs are always barking too. And all that I want it's a little attention and the curl up next to you. When will you really come home? I've been spending all my hours watching as your sweet love sours. When will you really come home? I'm just laying where you left me, hoping that you don't forget me. When will you really come home? I'm just laying where you left me, hoping that you don't forget me. Nice. Thank you. That was Galeanthropy uh, by Andy Epler, his contribution to the challenge this week. 
And uh, I just to I just give you my first impressions here. I I, I love extended metaphors and songs, <laughs> and I especially love them when it's you you do it in a way where it's not obvious, yeah. you know. And you you know I I suspect that most people could listen to the song, and even though you even mentioned last year's Christmas Cat in mm-hmm. there, which is a you know a direct uh, you know nod to the to the to the prompt. I don't think anybody's going to, you know, they're not going to get it yeah. that that's a cat until you tell them. And then they're going to go back and they'll be like, oh, my God. Yeah, if this they is... read the title, it'll redefine the song. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, if that stays the title, because that'll be, yeah, people will. I'm not changing shit, man. Yeah, okay, okay. Because <laughs> that's, cause that's uh, yeah, you'll have to, it's one of those songs where it's like, oh, I'm going to look up what that word is. Or maybe not, but uh, it's a cool um but yeah, no, I thought it was a it was a great song on its own, and I loved how well you inserted that extended metaphor. Thank and you. I salute you, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah. I liked the. Uh, I mean, it was sort of a cute idea to be like, "Ooh, I'm a kitty," but somehow I made it sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I liked the idea of um, talking about a relationship where you're watching your partner sort of like, I don't know, drift away a little bit. And I thought that would be sort of like a cat that was just trying to like whatever, lay in the sun, coming through the window. But like as the season moves on, that light starts to go move away. And then maybe it starts climbing Mm -hmm. up the wall where you can't quite get it. And now you just maybe it's gone completely or you're just looking at it in a place you can't get it. That's sort of where I decided to go with it. Very cool image. Very cool image. Thank you. Well, so so walk walk us through once you decided, you know, the direction you wanted to go. because you had told me, actually, you wanted to combine the first two prompts, the one with the electrical warning yeah. sign. Yeah. But you didn't really... I, I, maybe you... I don't think you used that at all in no. the song. So how, what was the process once you decided on a prompt? What, how did it go? I think as a songwriter, I'm really concerned with succinctness and um, really clarity of concept. And I like it to be really obvious you know, the thing I'm doing. So I figured, you know, I could, I probably could have written the song that had all the prompts, but I didn't, I didn't and that would have been fun, but that's a throwaway song for me. I wouldn't have imagined that been a good song, at least what with my skill set or whatever. So yeah, I thought I could get a bat bomb in there. I thought maybe put a lightning strike in there somewhere. But once I kind of started going, once I wrote that first verse, I was like, you know, man, I'm just going to, like, do the cat thing and just see what happens. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really thought, like, if I wanted to, you know, add the things in there just to check things off a list, th- we could have done that. But I decided to write you a real song. Oh, you know? yeah. No, that's uh, that's... That's all I'm asking you to write something, and yeah. you can go any direction you want to. Sometimes those those goofy songs turn out to be real songs too. Totally, of but, course. Yeah, but, but the, maybe not for me. I don't know. I'm a goofy asshole anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. So, do you? I mean, to me, it sounds like you know this is something that's ready to be played out. Do you feel that way, or do you feel like it's needs more work, or what? I guess this is the point where I kind of ask you to do kind of a self critique. You know, where do you see? I mean, would you? Re- what's your revision process like? How would you go about looking at that? For this, uh, when I, I I kind of like finished the song and I kind of put it away and came back a couple hours later and uh, listened to it again. You know, I've I filmed myself doing it and then listened to it again and decided if there were any little edits I needed to make or mm-hmm. something I could clean up in there. 
and after I kind of got through that process, um, you know, I have, I have three stages of my creative process. The, the yes voice, the no voice, and the polishing phase. Okay. So the yes voice is where I put all my ideas out on the table. There's nothing wrong. You can just put everything in it. It could be an hour-long song or whatever. Sure. Then the no voice is my editing phase where I come through and I'm like, all right, don't need this. I can chip this away and have a better image, you know. And then the polishing phase is just like, and now here's how you really play it. Here's like the tender little way you approach it and how to, you know, how to perform it for the recording, you know. Um, so I went through that basic three-step process like I do all the time with every art piece I make. And so, I mean, do you, do you find that the, the, I mean, how long does the, the process usually take for you when you're writing a song? I mean, all three of those stages. Pretty quick. Um, at least the, the first thing where I'm like, if it were a if it were a contest of how quick can you write a song, I might win that contest, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with a lot of people because I just I have such I don't know I carry such expectation and positivity mm -hmm. into it. I've written you know my ten thousand hours are up you know a long time ago with this stuff, so for me it's like Pavlovian. I'm sitting down, I have my guitar. The next thing that happens is I write a song. I just yeah. expect it. My mouth waters when I hear the bell. You know what I mean? Um, that's a Pavlov uh, reference for those yeah. of you listening. That Pavlov's dog. Yeah, I think this I is a, this is kind mind. of a Pavlov's cat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it was a it's a relatively quick process. the 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 thing that is that takes longer is seeding yourself with ideas. And so the previous week, I didn't sit down to write the song. I just sort of let my subconscious cook ideas in the back of my head, and I probably wrote you know two other things that I just like. That would be fun, but it's not what I want to bring, you know? I want to bring, like, a real thing that, I don't know, feels good to listen to and feels like a real song. So the real work is in the seating, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. Stephen King says about writing that, like, if you aren't reading, then you don't have the time or tools that you need for writing. So a lot of my process is just ingesting experiences and ideas. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's probably what took up most of my week. All right. All right, um, all right. Well, do you th uh, so? Do you feel like this is a finished song? Are you are you pretty much done with it at this point, or yeah. is I'm done with it? I'll okay. probably I don't know. I don't know if I'll even approach it again. I okay. feel like I did it for this project. That's the only reason I did it. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the that's the version of it. You know? Nice. All right. All yeah. right. Well, there you go. You got a song. Yeah. For so. me, songs are cheap, so like I don't feel the need to keep them. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll write songs that I never show anybody and put uh -huh. them in a file and then, like, cannibalize them for other pieces if I want, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or start a new song based on an idea that happened in this other song. You know? So you're, so interesting, you see, because I, I know, like, I'll tell you, it's like, I, I, I feel, I have a hard time doing that. I mean, I've got a lot of, I mean, I've got a lot of songs, you know, some better than others, um, and i got a lot of song stems that never got fully developed. Mm -hmm. And I have the damnedest time stealing from me, from my mm. stuff. To me, it kind of feels like it was a distinct, you know, baby. Maybe it was stillborn, you know, yeah. but it was, uh, um, but I, but I, boy, I, I, and, and maybe I need to get over myself. I, I think when I do try to take um, a piece from another song, it's hard for me to reroute my brain into using it in a different way. Now, That's I good. will, I will say this, that I do sometimes find that I've used something from a different song in, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, especially when you're creating all the songs, it's hard to do something completely different yeah. um, as much as I try. Um, 
but uh, but anyway, it's it's just always interesting to hear, um, you know, how people deal with that because I know a lot of people do that. They they take you know bits and pieces from from older things of theirs. I don't know. I, I don't feel the the need to show the public every song I write, and yeah. so um, and not a, they're not all for other people. Sometimes they're just for me. You know, yeah. like sometimes it's just a for practice. I write a song just to get to keep have to exercise the muscle. So like for me, um, I I don't have a problem. I don't know. I think of it as like a, I don't know, linguistic bank account, like a like mm-hmm. a savings account, where it's like if I'm sitting down and I want to write a song, and I don't hear anything coming, I can take a little paragraph or a little stanza or whatever from this other song and just use it like a seed and grow a new yeah. thing from it. You know? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm a bit of a songwriting exhibitionist. It's the, mm. uh, I mean, after I'm the other kind. After a certain yeah, the re- <laughs> <laughs> the regular kind. No, the. Uh, uh, but the, you know, there was after a point where it became part of my process was showing the music like immediately mm-hmm. after I do it. And that yeah. was actually, a, it was kind of a, a form of accountability for myself. It feels good to share yeah. a song immediately, you know? Well, it's also, I, I personally, I find it extremely useful because um, what'll happen is you'll play a song for somebody and then they'll love something about it that you had no idea that you might have gotten rid of in revision real quick yeah. you know and i always find that to be fascinating when in fact the last uh challenge episode i had that it was a situation like that where my guest liked part of my song that was you know i would have i totally would have chopped that off so yeah yeah it's funny how that and i, I think there's a lot of a lot of great you know i just can't think you know think of somebody bruce springsteen's probably chopped out a bunch of great lines that you know other people would have loved or or dylan or whoever you want to pick and like y- it's pretty heady of an artist to think that they know what is meaningful about their work to mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. You can try and communicate a message, you can put your medicine in it, but in the end, it's the other people that decide if they connect to it. And you don't get to decide what they connect to about it. Yeah. And there are a lot of artists in history that, I don't know, they didn't know their own significance. So I would an example of that is maybe somebody like, Van Gogh, who like lived a pretty mm. depressed life, yeah, and ended up killing himself, of course, because get this, he didn't know he was Vincent Van Gogh, yeah, not like we know, we he didn't know that, yeah, or like Emily Dickinson, who if you were friends with Emily Dickinson, it was largely through the mail because she was especially toward the end of her life a real shut in, but when and she only published I think ten poems in her life, mm-hmm. Emily Dickinson. Wow. But when she died, they found like 1,500 poems in her house. Oh, and really? She was that many? <laughs> she's one of the greatest of all time. I didn't realize that. Okay. She didn't know either hmm. at some level that she was her. So you don't know. Yeah. That's the message. And that once again, this, this comes up many times in, uh, in the podcast, but just get your stuff out there, folks. Why not? Um, because I, you... you you're not the best judge of your material. That's I, right. You know, I think I, I. I'm not sure if I talked about this actually. My my uh, my roommate passed away at the beginning of the year, and uh, she was an extremely prolific uh, songwriter. She wrote a song every week, and she was writing. She was like doing two or three uh, watercolor paintings every month, and I mean, she was just cool. rolling stuff out. But she didn't. She didn't think she was. She didn't feel like she was always asking, "Is like, well, how do people find inspiration?" I'm like, 
how could you be asking this? You're the yeah. one that's you're one of the most inspired people I know. And and her music was great. It was great, you know. Well, she disqualified herself. Exactly, exactly. And I, I don't want people doing that. Please, please, just you know, go to an open mic, play a song for your friends, get it out there in some fashion. And yeah. you know the what? The internet is a big place. You're not in the way. Yeah, there's room. There's room for everybody. And don't you know? This is a trick of mine here. I know we like to compare ourselves to other artists, but this is what I say. You know, pick your favorite artist, find the worst song that they've written, and ask yourself, can you write a song better than that? And I guarantee you, you can. Hell yeah. and, and that means you're working in that ballpark. So so don't be... Just just get your stuff out there and, and get that, you know... I mean, it's tough. I know. It's like it, it, we don't always get the feedback we want, yeah. you know, especially if we're trying to make a living at it. Um, but... It's better to know than to just leave it a mystery, I think. And all the feedback can ever really be is what someone else would have done. Yeah. And that's really not your job anyway. You got to do what you will do. Yeah. You know, so whatever. It's good to just express yourself. It's good to just get it out there. I mean, it, 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 it's an alternative form of language. Language isn't complete unless it makes that connection with somebody else. That's right. And not only that, I it's it's... I believe that it is your responsibility as an artist to explore your inner place because you'll come back with ideas that are important and universal. That is, that is what we know about creativity. Hmm. Um, and humanity is a herd species. They go like where the rest of them are going. So that, that requires somebody in our species to go out already, start trekking out alone, to be the first one moving in a direction. Maybe people follow you, maybe they don't, but the going and the searching away from the group, away from society, away from culture, that is the actual job of the artist because that expands humanity. And it's risky. When like a sheep or something gets away from the herd, that's the most dangerous thing a sheep can do. But you know what? That herd is not going to find that new pasture. They're not going to find that new resource if there isn't the first one going to look for it. And I, I love that metaphor, when, especially when I read it in your book, yes. The Songwriter's Grimoire, Practical Notes for Mystical Practice. You're so uh, good at a plug. By <laughs> Andy Epler. So <laughs> be sure to be looking for that online, wherever you get your e-books. But that is a, that's a great story f that, that he has in the book. So if you, if you don't remember from the podcast, you can get it in book form. Yeah, yeah. You really should, you really should get it in book form. That's right. And if you contact me on Instagram at, at AndoTheArtist uh, and you want a signed arted up copy of it i can make that happen for you all right we're now to the portion of the show where i play my song <laughs> that i wrote to the same prompt i i actually did and he did originally said that he wanted to combine the uh the electrical warning sign yeah, yeah. sign with with galleanthropy yeah, yeah. and so i i actually i did combine both of those things Superstar. you're so uh, good at your thing for my uh, and, and my song's called uh my electric kitty <laughs> And, uh, uh-oh. Let me see here. i got to find... Yo, the, I've uh, been to that club. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is My Electric Kitty by yours truly, and it's my contribution to the challenge this, this uh, week. Domestic obligations I'll leave them in the dust My electric kitty keeps me 
shouts me in. My dad says, take out the trash. My sister mocks my fashion sense and how I play video games. Let me say in my defense, in the naked city, my electric kitty keeps me warm. No, I won't be quitting. My electric kitty feels like home. In the naked city, my electric kitty keeps me warm. Wonderful guitar stylings of yours truly. All right, that was My Electric Kitty by by me, Dave Coyle. Uh, this is my contribution to the challenge this week. Um, before I say anything, wow. do you have any first uh, just uh, thoughts? Just first of all, that title is a great band name as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I like <laughs> that went to a really interesting place. I wasn't sure where it was going to be. Um, I'm curious to hear like your... I don't know, concept behind it. Like what I love the idea of electric kitty keeps me warm. That's sort of adorable, but it also sounds sort of illicit and just into your vibe. (laughs) Well, okay. So, I mean, that was the, when you, when you picked those two prompts, that was the first thing that came to mind was electric kitty. (laughs) And, and I'll admit my, my first thought was that it was like a sex toy. So it was going to be a song about a sex toy. Um, and then, I got to riding it, and it was, and I the first couple lines came out, and I was like thinking, okay, well this guy's going someplace. So I was thinking maybe it was about having an affair. Yeah. Um, but then as I kept going, it actually became, I don't know, it it just started turning into like a kid that was running away to go play video games, and I was thinking. Do they even have arcades anymore? I don't. I yeah. don't know that they do. They okay. There's one on on uh, Main Street, Longmont. Matter of fact. Oh, that's right. The what's that? Right called? beside Rosalie's. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. And that's like a real retro kind of. We thing, would mention right? them if they were a sponsor. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and if I could remember their name, actually. So, but 
Yeah, so like, um, you know, I mean, it takes me back to the 80s when I was growing up and, and uh, arcades were all the rage in video games. And the idea that you might, uh, you know, take a bus out to some place and you'd be at this this video game arcade yeah. and it would just be this is a place where you're important this is a place where you're powerful because you know you can beat the high score or whatever it is and and so it became kind of so it kind of turned into an escapist fantasy now now mind you i wrote this i started writing this i guess technically i started writing it on uh uh, what is today is uh what is today monday. monday so i actually i guess i i came up with the first the chorus or the bulk of the chorus while i was falling asleep on uh saturday night and then on sunday i didn't do anything until 8 p.m. and and so this is and this is typical for me i i Perfect. i'm horrible i'm a horrible procrastinator and this is why deadlines are really helpful for me a horrible procrastinator doesn't hit the deadline well Okay, that's true. I did get it written before you know midnight, saying? you know what I'm saying? And I sent it before 12:30. So, I yeah. actually hit the deadline this time. I think last time I got it like done at 2:30 in the morning, but Yeah, because uh, like here you are having written a great song on time. That's not procrastinating. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I did yeah. it. I mean, that's my at this point it's just my process. Yeah. I I'm, I'm like uh, I'm a last minute songwriter, but um and and the progression of the I I, I I think you've got what? What's the type of song where it's kind of the blind, uh, blind expressionism? The blind, uh, blind expressionism. Because I, I, I'll admit, there's you know, I go into these songs sometimes, and I'll just jump into them, and I don't necessarily have a strategy. Yeah. Um, and I'll throw out words that I think are related. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the first verse is not really related to the second verse, but the sec, but the second verse kind of kind of came from the the first verse a little bit but 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 the song itself is a little bit of a Rorschach test. I don't know exactly what my electric kitty is. Yeah. It could be a sex thing. It could be a v- arcade. I got arcade from it. Yeah. But yeah. I think that was in the final the final thing and you know I started using, you know, the more direct metaphors with uh she'll console me uh you know doing that double entendre and stuff in that regard. And so, so now I actually have to kind of go back and look at the song mm. and decide, okay, I think I know what this is about now. You know, how do I, you know, can I make it more coherent than yeah, it yeah. is? And See, that's an interesting process that we should maybe point out for other songwriters. Here you are with a song. It's got verses. It's got choruses. You know what I mean? It, it's like a song. You're done, really. Yep. You have met all the requirements of a song. And this version of the song, I think, is what we would call blind expressionism. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm not really sure where we got to as far as, like, message or meaning or whatever. But I do know that it was in- I intended what I did. You know, I, like, went for a ride. I created a thing. What does it mean? I'm not sure, but it's not meaningless. Yeah, because there's every... I mean, every line in there does have some meaning. Yeah. But it's, to some degree, it's variable. And right. and it could be I could in the revision process I can change those meetings so that they're more consistent all the way through. And I think that I, I suspect there's I, I suspect I'm not the only one that that writes songs that way. That oh no, sometimes you 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 work. I mean, there are definitely songs I go in. I know exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of songs are really just you know taking whatever's in the ether and just pulling it together and saying. You know what kind of strange uh, concoction do I have here, and you know what what's it going to end up? You know what else can I? What other ingredients can I add or take away yeah. to make it into something a little bit more 
edible. It's like you went to the market and you like, I don't know, what are you going to cook for lunch? I don't know. We'll see what's on sale or whatever. There you go. And you get to the market and you're like, it's this, this, and this. Oh, you know what we can make with that is da-da-da-da. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing. It's not like you're being purposeful-less uh, or purposeless. Uh, you're not trying to like not have intention behind your work, but it, uh, I don't know, that blind expressionism is a form of art making. Yeah. And this one was, uh, now this one was, uh, I was kind of inspired by Electric Avenue. Do you know that one? Yeah. Gonna rock down to Electric Avenue, and then we'll take it higher. That's a bop, dude. That is an awesome song, and and I actually did some research on that song, and I didn't realize that it was actually about uh, the Brixton riots in the late 70s. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so it was actually, <laughs> yeah, there was a, there, that, that took place right next to a place called Electric Avenue. I thought yeah. Electric Avenue was completely made up thing for da- the dance hall right yeah i thought it was fun i thought we were having fun it's a real no but it's a it's a real street and it was about um Jesus. it was about a protest uh, that went you know got violent um but you know it's got that um descending kind of electric bass line you know and i actually started off with trying to do something like that i was sliding up and down the uh, the base you know the 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 baseline on that but it was I was just having a hard time hitting the mark I don't do a lot of up and down the uh, the neck stuff yeah. and uh, this one oh this one heavy on the bar chords on this one so so that was driving me nuts and it, that took me forever to record it and the recording is not the the guitar playing is not great but in my mind there's a much more interesting kind of guitar part that's going. <laughs> In the Ooh. naked city, in my and and there's it'll probably get a little bit more funky too. And this this is something that I would really want to get a band to flesh out or or just take time to build the arrangement on it. Yeah, interesting. Um, I want to hear like if you do another version of it. Like I want to hear the difference. Now here's a question. Yeah, let's say because here's a song. It's finished. It's it lives by itself. If you come back and edit it, it's like the ship of Theseus, right? Like how much do you edit it before it becomes a new song? Boy, that's interesting because in my mind, I think structure first before I think lyrics. Mm. So I, it's almost like I think you'd have to, uh, you know, I, almost all of the lyrics could probably be replaced except for My Electric Kitty, mm-hmm. and it could still be the same song in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's like I don't because I'm I'm part of a very lyric oriented community that would sure. maybe be a little bit taken aback by uh, you know that frivolity of throwing lines away is that from song school i yeah i think yeah kind of song school the folk community i've never been to song school yeah no it's 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 really cool it's definitely very folk oriented um though that it does go beyond that to 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 some to some extent but but um but no it's great for um it's great for meeting people and yeah. and i hate to say it i have not uh, the last few times I've gone, I haven't really gone to very many classes. It's mm-hmm. all just been going to the song circles, and oh. and they have an open stage that they do, and everybody gets to play, and it's actually the most intimidating, but also the most receptive audience you'll ever have. All of our friends go, Tim Mostic mm-hmm. and you know uh, Kate Farmer and Shannon Address. All yep. those dudes always go to that, and they love it. Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a it's a great time. I mean, and it becomes kind of your friends and your family, and darn. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I don't even know. I mean, it's also really expensive. It's gotten since the pandemic. Yeah, I feel like they they skipped one year because of the pandemic, and then when they came back, it was it's like, well, we're just gonna 
maybe make up that money, you know. But yeah, once the, you pray, you know, you raise the price, it, it it just never goes down again. Yeah, of so, course. Um, oh yeah. But it's a it's a good time. It's a good time. And uh, I'm interested. It sounds great. I would. Uh, there's other. I know there are other songwriting festivals. They had one up in. Uh, what was it like? Rhythm by the River or something? Or oh yeah. Or that's. I don't think they have the right name of. Yeah, it, you were uh, Rail on the River. Yeah, rail on the river. Yeah, I was yeah. the MC for that event. Oh, you were okay. Yeah, sure was. So I mean, I think that covers a lot of the same territory, and it's okay. it's a lot smaller, um, but it's more expensive. local. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, a lot smaller. Yeah, uh, and you don't get like internationally renowned people, I guess, yeah. necessarily showing up. But we have like fancy people at that show. Oh yeah, you, you know? get you get some big names from the you know from Colorado at least, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. gasoline lollipops yeah. and those kind of guys. Uh huh. Uh huh. So and and of course now Rocky Mountain Song School is it takes place the week before Folks Fest and that's uh, I've never the been to that fest. either I'm the worst I've never been to anything well I've never been to I've never been to Folks Fest because okay. it's that's that's that you know I can I can justify spending that money for education yeah um, and networking and business stuff but uh, I actually uh, I don't have the money to go to festivals that's, yeah that's expensive stuff yeah yeah but anyway the you, the, the objective should be to get into a festival to actually perform at a festival. Yeah, yeah. So get paid. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how we're trying to play exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, let's see. So, yeah, this song I do kind of feel like, like, like you said, it's it's a complete song and that it's it's ready to go out. You could play the song, um, and it would feel like a complete song. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I would, I'll probably do, uh. You know, I want to do a once through and just make sure that I've got all the threads there. I might try to clarify some stuff, but clarity is not always what you want to do. I think it's a fun song in and of itself. Uh, I think it would be really fun with a band. I, I'd really like to hear it with a band. So this is quite possibly this just because it's a fun song. It's not. It's not super deep. I mean, I tried to kind of you know pull it back to kind of a nostalgia thing with with arcades and whatnot. But um, I think there's something to be said for. I don't know. I I understand you want to like put in more specificity and sort of like uh, clarity into the song, but one of the powers of the blind expressionism is that the audience themselves they sort of implant and impose meaning onto it, which makes it more meaningful to them too. Well, and I think that's why I think when you're doing this kind of approach. I think that's where it's important to, if you are doing kind of a blind, if you know you, you're prone to doing bl blind expressionism, uh, throw in some unusual words. Mm -hmm. You know, take some, you, you, you don't want it to just be the same, you know, cliched pap. Mm -hmm. Because if you throw in some interesting stuff, people will interpret it, um, even if it's adjacent to what the actual meaning is. It's just like kind of fuzzy. The Rorschach test really does play. And uh, that's right. Yeah, I, 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 I believe in that. And, and like you said, it's like even if you do put your heart and soul into it, you know that it means this. Yeah. Other people are going to hear it differently. I, I know there's songs I've written which it's like, no, this means this. And other people hear a complete... I have a song, I have a song that's about basically insomnia, a little bit about depression. And my, uh, my friend Jay, who plays bass for me, he, uh, he says... Uh, that's a, that's a heroin song. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. I've never done heroin, man. It's not. It's not autobiographical. I don't know. I didn't try that. So it's uh, you know. But I I I'll ask that to audiences. Is like, you think this song's about insomnia or heroin? And most people fall on the heroin side. Yeah, so you know, yeah. drugs are a fun topic sometimes. <laughs> I feel like when you have a blind expressionism song, it's really like a container. 
that other people can invest meaning into, yeah. right? And if you have like a messaged art song, that container's full. And so like you are the one filling the container. And so the other people can like take out of it meaning, but and that's meaningful to them, but when they invest their own meaning into it, it can sort of be more even more powerful, but you don't get to decide the context of that yeah. as the artist. Well, I think that's what's so, you know, why Bob Dylan is as successful as he mm -hmm. is. He has those stream of consciousness songs. And, you know, you can tell sometimes he just, you know, as a songwriter, you can tell it's like, well, he just did that because there was a rhyme. He's just yeah. trying to rhyme it. Totally. But but the imagery that he comes up with, there's often, you know, these juxtapositions are so novel that you can listen to the stuff and find, you know, impose your own meaning on it. And so it becomes a very personal song. Yeah, um, he's one of the greatest of all time. And yeah. get this. He has written some stuff that is. Uh, he has written some stinkers. Oh yeah, no, okay, <laughs> absolutely. And that's Bob Dylan. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. even Shakespeare has some sonnets that are like skippable. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. But that's the nature of it. Well, there you go. There, when you're comparing yourself to the greats, uh, don't compare yourself to the best stuff. Compare it to the worst, and then you'll, you'll know you're working in that ballpark. Compare yourself to the idealized version of you. There, oh, yeah, there you go. To the future you, who is the person you're trying to become. Compare yourself to that person. Aim yourself at that person. You can never be disappointed. But, well, don't let yourself be discouraged by that, though. Because I, cause I yeah. think there's a lot of people know it's like, I've got potential. I can do really, really great stuff. And I think people do get discouraged by the, the process of getting to that point. You know, I, I, you know I, I, I'm not sure... You know, because there's there's people that, that feel bad when they don't live up to their own expectations, and That's but maybe fair. maybe you're maybe you're saying something different. I'm not sure. I guess what I'm saying is like, no one else and no circumstance can really change the person you decide to become. I want to be kind. I want to be thoughtful. I want to give my life to community, and no nothing can really get in the way of that because mm -hmm. it's all internalized. What who do I want to be? I want to be the kind of person that dot dot dot. You can you can enact that stuff immediately, you know, and you can live up to your highest potential within those areas. If your goals are related to like, I'd like to sell a million albums, that's dependent on a million people making a choice. You know what I mean? But you can. There are some things about future you, like who that person is and the kind of ripple they make in the world through their kindness and through their generosity and and empathy. Those things you really can control. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're at that portion of the, the show where uh, you get to plug stuff. And so uh, I think we already know some of that. But why don't you why don't you let us know where we can find your book, yep. your music, and, and all of the above, man. I, I would really love it if you just stop by my Instagram and and make a actual personal connection with me. Don't I don't you know I'm not trying to send you some weird website. Just come like actually be in my inbox and we can chat. The numbers aren't so high that I can't handle that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's at Ando the Artist. Um, I do I make paintings. I have a new book out, uh, a songwriter's grimoire. I have a new album coming out, You and Me Now, Apocalypse Campfire Songs. Um, I have a new show I'm doing here in Longmont at the Dickens Opera House um, for a few more nights. I have uh, well, this is going to be coming out in December, by the way. So oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and there's still some in December, but uh, the show is uh, a variety show called Boulder County Tonight. Mm, okay. And um, at I mean tomorrow I will have done uh, live um, election coverage on oh, Longmont nice. Public Media. 
So if you're interested in watching me eat time on live TV, uh, you can always tune in and watch it after the fact. Um, uh, what else am I up to? Um, I have a film that's out called Denver International. And it is uh, it is me tripping acid alone in Denver International Airport at like 3 a.m. So that movie's out there. Um, but honestly, just just stop by my Instagram and shoot me a message. And that, that my, my artist showcase there, there are links there. But I'd rather send you to a place where you can actually connect with me. All right. All right. Well, uh, just want to thank you for joining us, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I knew it would be such a pleasure. I've been wanting to talk to you on this show for a while. This was a fun, fun time. Um, well, so uh, that's a wrap. Uh, be sure to like and review the podcast. You can follow me at why. Uh, you can follow me at my website at davidcoyle.com or on Facebook at Dave Coyle's Musical Extravaganza. If you have any questions for me or about any of my guests, you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. Uh, and we have an outro song Woo! that we're going to play. And this song is... Of course, I forgot to write down the name. It's called What the Flowers Do. What the Flowers Do. Yeah. Okay, the, so we're going to have an outro song uh, as we go out. So yeah, uh, This is sort of my romantic take on polyamory. All right, all right, which we covered a little bit earlier. Today, yeah, I guess so. we did. You know? yeah. All right, so uh, while you're listening to this, keep your songwriting raw and riveting.
Isn't that 